Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. Oh, there we go. Okay. And we're back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation specifically today. And we're going to talk about the episode Clues. And I'm so pleased to have on our uh, channel today a, a new uh, member of the crew, and it's uh, Rob Rob Chapman, I think, right? Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Also, also known as Trekkie Rob. Yep, that's correct. Um, and then, of course, Sean is here. Yay! Hi, Sean. <laughs> From hey. Trek on the Tube. Uh, Rob, um, welcome to the show. We're really pleased to have you. I understand uh, from our discussions offline that you're going to give a crack at the episode summary today, right? I'll try. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's nice. You, you can fill in blanks if I miss any. <laughs> we'll, we'll help you out for sure. Uh, <clears throat> What I'd like to know, because uh, we kind of do this for every um, new guest, is uh, if you don't mind taking a few minutes to start out by first telling us who you are about yourself, uh, feel free to plug any uh, ventures that you're doing, uh, especially the Trek Book Club, and then uh, t- and then tell us about um, tell us about your Star Trek story, whatever you know, whatever that may be. Okay, so um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Rob Chapman. So you can find me on Twitter I'm at Trekkie Rob. Um, so how did I get into Star Trek? Um, probably when I was about maybe 12, 13. And we, um, so I started with uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, kind of running concurrently. Um, and I used to always watch them with my dad. We'd sit down and, and watch an episode and talk about it. And yeah, my, my I remember at the time my stepmom like absolutely despised it <laughs> so we used to like constantly talk about it um, but, so yeah it was quite nice that me and my dad it's, had that we could sit down and, and do that together to, to interrupt real quick it's kind of cool that you're you started with deep space nine and i'll have a lot of questions about that uh later but go on sorry i think that's cool <laughs> yeah i mean i did i had had seen a few episodes here and there of of tos and tng but i properly started i mean i didn't i was i wasn't really paying attention to them i properly started with deep space nine and voyager and they're the two that i've watched all the way through all the way through about 10 times oh, wow. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> the others not so much um yeah so yeah and then after i i watched watched ds9 voyager and some and some of the movies um for a few years and then i kind of lost interest um i think what we growing up doing in in the uk my my exams my gcse's my a levels and then go to university i kind of lost touch with star trek and then in the last few years i've got back into it there's been some like great podcasts both of yours, obviously, and um, <laughs> things like Trek FM, um, yeah, and lots of other um, podcasts and YouTube cha- YouTube channels that have, that have got me back into it. So yeah, yeah that's very cool. Uh, when I first decided to do um, a podcast, my friend Scott, who's really into podcasts, kind of like uh, interested me, and <clears throat> in I noticed it's like such a vibrant 
landscape like i can't possibly keep up with all the all the shows but i try every now and then i you know i definitely try <laughs> and i listen and those were definitely some uh some good uh ones that you mentioned there um regarding the deep space nine thing so a lot of people uh, that deep space nine is probably the best star trek series um out there and certainly uh, i have a show called drunk space nine where that's part of our our whole mission is that we're trying to prove drunkenly that star trek deep space nine is not just the best star trek series but the best tv series period and sean's probably gonna take umbrage to that but still (laughs) still that's our that's one of our missions on drug space nine okay after watching Mm -hmm. deep space nine when you watch like tng and tos like how did those shows rank you know compared to ds9 and like where do you rank just you know real quick you don't have to think too much about it but where do you rank your star trek series like you know from you know best to worst (laughs) yeah i I always say this when people ask it depends whether you're talking about best or favorite because i I distinguish between them oh interesting Um, okay so your favorite is what i'd like to know then first my favorite and then then your best (laughs) (laughs) so my my favorite probably controversially (laughs) is voyager because that's the one i've watched the most i grew up with um but the best yeah is without without a doubt is ds9 i don't remember so i'm, I'm kind of the same as rob here i do i do best <clears throat> and favorites because they're very different uh, there's certain music that i love but that is terrible so, so i make a distinction <laughs> between both the best, I think, Star Trek television series that exists is the original series because of the legacy that it created and in the time it was created in. Um, but my favorite is Voyager, um, hands down. I think, I think if I... Yeah, no, I, th- I think Voyager is the closest to the original series, but it's modern. And I know it has problems in the Kazons and what have you, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I love it. I think it's clear that every Star Trek series has its problems, oh, yeah. and, and and so yeah, it's it's. I don't think it matters, but um, I like that idea of best and favorite. So if I had to redo that, I would say that I can now like because I used to kind of feel like bad about because I love Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's like my favorite show, and you know I used <laughs> to feel bad that I I actually do think that DS9's writing and and production and everything is better. So I would always kind of just like be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like. <laughs> But now I like that. So my favorite show is TNG. The best show is DS9. So I can I can I can kind of uh, feel better about it like that now. Thank you. <laughs> Scapegoat, isn't it? <clears throat> it's a, no, it's good. It, actually, because like humans are not just black and white, right? And neither are thoughts or feelings. So I think that's a better way to to kind of express ourselves even more accurately. So you guys just enlightened me today. Very nice. <laughs> um. Well, so let's get right to clues, Rob. What? Let's go for the episode. What, what the episode summary is, and uh, let's let's carry on our discussion. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> I wrote down a few notes. But... <laughs> um, so yeah. So basically, um, so Picard starts by explaining that the crew are having some downtime, or more than they usually do, and you've got you know Wharf, Troy, Riker, and Jordy. They're taking some sort of martial arts class. Dutch Crush is conducting some sort of botanical experiment um and what i really like is is picard and dynan uh, enjoying the dixon hill program on the holodeck that's kind of cool and then um data calls in tells them that um 
he's detecting a particular star and there's an M-class planet. Um, so Picard tells him to go investigate. And then en route, the Enterprise encounters a wormhole. He is thrown a uh, fair distance away from their previous position. Um, and the wormhole causes the entire crew, except Data, uh, to fall unconscious. And uh, the crew wakes up, and Data tells them that uh, they were unconscious for about 30 seconds. Um, and then throughout the episode, the crew start to notice, and it's the crew minus Data, start to notice strange occurrences. So um, Dr. Crusher, who was conducting this botanical experiment, notices that the moss that she was growing, which she started growing just before they went into the wormhole, has suddenly experienced 24 hours' worth of growth. Um, Worf has, uh, I think, a broken wrist, and he doesn't know how that's happened. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, there was, there was a, what was it? Um, the time. I know I when, um, when. <clears throat> oh yes, that's right. Yes, they detect some sort of time difference with one of the uh, crew members' transporter logs or something um, Lockler. i don't know why i remember her <laughs> lachlan lachlan <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> and um they begin to note um, i think data they question data about um some of the strange occurrences or some of the the, the, the things that happened and he gives uh, a reason for it and basically then they uh, picard dismisses him from the the, the conference room and uh Basically, the rest of the crew don't believe what he's saying, and it seems to be either covering something up or lying, or and um, yeah, and then the crew begin to investigate, and um, eventually, um, they find yeah, they find out that Data's hiding something. He's not being completely truthful, and um, I can't remember if I, I might be skipping quite a bit here, but um, eventually, um, we discover that there's this. Um, alien species that one of them takes over Troy's body and um, and basically they, they try to um, they're kind of xenophobic so they try to knock out the crew and um, send the Enterprise away so because uh, they don't like outsiders but it didn't work obviously because um, data wasn't affected by it um, and so because it didn't work um, I think Picard tells Data that uh, he has to I think he has to they have to do it again right, basically right. and Data has to uh, he, he orders Data to lie to him um, if he asks what what happened right, he had ordered um, he had ordered it before but because of all the clues left behind they that's right hence the name <laughs> right and so, so now yeah that was the little just I just wanted to insert that little piece but now he orders him again yeah no no <laughs> yes yeah yeah so um and then uh, because the, the, all these clues are left behind the, the, the crew f- find out what's happened and the, and uh, the, the xenophobic race i think they're called the paxons yeah, the Paxons. um they um they're trying to get the enterprise to go away <laughs> because of all these clues left <laughs> the enterprise don't go away so they have to do it all over again and um but the yeah, eventually the Paxons decide that humans are interesting enough to get a second chance because 
they just wanted to kill everyone and they are worthy. <laughs> they are worthy of a second chance. We are worthy of a second chance. <laughs> yeah, we're worthy in the in the twenty fourth century. Are we worthy now? <laughs> I don't know if we would be worthy. Fair enough. So, yeah, and so yeah, then so then seemingly data data actually pulls it off at the end. Yes. And they they uh, what do they do? They dispatch a like a a hazard beacon or something like that that's right yes yes yeah and then bob's your uncle very good (laughs) probably missed out loads in that summary but (laughs) well i think i think there's like if you gave a proper summary it would be like 15 minutes long so i'm glad that you just kind of got to the gist of it so no most excellent you did it you did it much better than i do um but not as good as sean <laughs> well i've only done it Just once <laughs> no i know i'm teasing i like to tease you about it because sean sean took a while to, to want to do it and you're like yeah i'll do it first time so i'm really excited <laughs> um so yeah i have to, uh, I have to tip your toe into things like that i i, I don't know <laughs> great summary i i like that you mentioned the martial arts scene i didn't realize this um but it's actually um i think it's tai chi in actuality but mm. what what it's supposed to be in universe is mukbara which is a, a form it's like tai chi but for klingons so War, that's why Worf is leading the class and i think if i'm not mistaken yeah. it's the first time we see the mukbara on screen we do see it again like it comes up over and over again it's like a a leisure activity that we see a few times like fencing we see you know picard fencing and things yeah, like yeah. that so interesting that they're wearing human robes rather than a, a more traditional klingon outfit right i wonder if is it starfleet because he's a comedy well i wonder if he's just chosen a, a very general um something comfortable that everyone would like because maybe yeah. maybe klingon attire wouldn't be as comfortable yeah <laughs> I mean, if it's got spikes and <laughs> maybe mukbara is actually painful and they've kind of toned it down like who knows <laughs> like who knows those are things that future writers can uh certainly do in fact it'd be neat to have seen klingons doing mukbara on star trek discovery but you know perhaps perhaps we'll we'll see that in a future episode uh, <laughs> yeah so what'd you guys uh what'd you guys think of the episode like basically <clears throat> is it one that you liked or do you remember watching it before before this rewatch or anything like that i com- i'd completely forgotten it i, I it was while i like watching a new episode i'm sure i had seen it at least once before but i <laughs> i had no recollection of it whatsoever um i quite liked it i mean it wasn't the best tng episode but it was it was good i like the mystery and the fact that the the crew had to you know work some things out and the fact that it wasn't just a plain mystery that the data was clearly hiding something um you know and we the audience didn't know what was happening either so we we yeah. feel just like the crew do like we've been you know we're out of the loop so that was quite quite cool but i felt like there are other episodes that are fairly similar that have done it a bit better. So there was um, the whole um, idea of data lying to the crew to protect them. That was kind of that inst- instantly made me think of um, the Voyager episode, Latent Image, where they have to lie to the doctor to protect his program because he, I think, he'd and his actions had ended up. Um, resulting in the deaths of some crewmen. Um, oh, neat. You just, oh, was that late in the image? 
You just gave me oh. a spoiler for Voyager, yes. Wait, be careful, because that's a big <laughs> moment for the Doctor. <laughs> but I see what you mean. In, compar- in comparison, that moment in, in Voyager, uh, the depth um, and how it affects the Doctor is similar to, to what we're talking about with, with Data here, but it is much more important in Voyager yeah. to yeah. the character. Yeah. I found it really great. So this could be a trial run. It is TNG. It came out before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the theme... I mean, the theme isn't, like, something... I don't even... Like, I can't specifically name another example, but I think I've seen this kind of style of, of story uh, on other shows where basically your commanding officer or friend or whatever is compelling you to secrecy, you know, about something that could potentially, um, uh, you know, uh, hurt you're many people not just not just one person so it's like a it's a very the good of the the many outweigh the good of the few or the one uh type of scenario and and it's it's i think that like while it's not like extraordinary in terms of like you know something that hasn't been done before i think the way that tng did it in this episode for me was really great and it only was great because of brent spiner Patrick Stewart, like all the performances in this episode is what I was really glued to. Like um, Sean just tweeted like before we got on about uh, the look that Data gives to Captain Picard in the scene where uh, Picard is confronting him and asking him very direct questions about like, you know, like why are you fabricating this information? And Data's just like kind of looking straight up at him like completely, you know, deadpan and it's just like so very emotional in this episode he he's almost like because he smiles at the end um yeah yeah he tries he he attempts to smile yeah (laughs) feels very lore this episode i I mean i don't so it's the same actor and brent spiner i mean he doesn't need to go that far to change from lore and data right but But, it did feel a little lore in this episode with hiding in the and the lying, it's like Data does have to, I think, tap it. It's extraordinary. I, I think Brent Spiner is a brilliant performer, and I don't know if he does these things consciously or not. We don't have access to him, unfortunately, to ask him, so we can only, like, kind of uh, guess at it. But just based on what I've seen so far with his performances, first of all, I don't think this episode could have worked in much earlier seasons because we didn't know all these characters, especially Data, as well as we do now. But, like, I think part of its success is that... By this point in season four, the crew really because t- Picard has to like at, at some point he has to come to the conclusion that like, but he's lying to protect the crew for some reason, like you know. And if he if it was an earlier season, I don't know if he would have had that trust in Data quite, quite as deeply as he does in this episode. But yeah, I just think that Brent Spiner did tap into a little bit of what he taps into to play lore, um, but just just enough because I never lost faith in Data. Like I, I was trying to recall when I first saw this episode, and I didn't know the answer to the mystery. I was like, no, 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 Data can't be guilt. Like nothing's wrong with Data. Like it, at this hmm. point, I was I was in the same kind of shoes as Picard as an audience member because <laughs> I, tr- I I saw enough of Data to know that like something bigger was up. And I did like the the reveal because it does fit into the 
you know, the overall mantra of strange new worlds and new civilizations. And these Paxtons are very interesting. I thought like, like imagine what it's like to be a, a species that has t- gone, you know, out of their way to be completely unknown. <laughs> and whenever they're found out, they just like erase your memory and throw you several light years away. So you'd, so you'd think just like a wormhole, you know, it's quite brilliant. I think like, <laughs> pretty disappointed we don't see more of them actually because i mean we see that kind of um the energy cloud or whatever it is um in space and uh and then we see kind of like a um a green luminescence into deanna troy but mm. um and that's often that's something that they do very often specifically on tng where like the the uh, a non-corporeal being will take control of someone on the crew suppose that has the act to do something different and they don't need to recast or or do any CG, uh, just voice modifying and what have you. But I think it would have been nice to see, to actually see these, these, like the, these beings, like see their form or to see what, what they can do, how their ship is in more detail. Um, maybe it is just budget. Right, talking about um, about the, the voice modification, did um, I don't know if you, either of you have either of you seen um, uh, Stargate SG One? Yes, it's the it's like the A long time ago. I have it, it just it's, immediately it's like gold, right? Like yeah, look at the gold. As soon as she starts talking, it just sounds like a gold. I am Uber Counselor Troy. I am going to destroy all of you now. Uh, Marina Sirtis uh, did the voice, and they just modified her voice. Or if they actually got another <laughs> voice actor to like to portray it, yeah, no, it so does, sound, it does cool. sound like her, but just heavily modified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't fuck Again, with the dwarf. I don't want to um, say. So have you not seen much of Voyager? I- so going back to Voyager, uh, when Voyager first aired, I saw the whole first season. I bought right. season one, one through three on DVD, but of course now it, you, you can see it on um, on Netflix, so I don't have to buy the the rest of the seasons. And I, I also uh, subscribe to CBS All Access, so I've only made it as far as season three, where I've watched it consecutively but anytime it's been on television i've i've watched it so i actually have seen like some the, major episodes yeah and i've actually seen the ending so i know you know of course that oh, okay. you know what happens like how they get home and like you know barkley and troy are also part of that that um that whole thing i was thing, just so. i was just going to talk about and again another voyager episode that it, a little bit so this kind of reminded me of but i didn't i didn't want to spoil it too much if you hadn't seen no go ahead no, it's fine <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really good episode it's um it's um, where uh, at the beginning of the episode we see the Doctor and Janeway in a shuttle and and then it, it kind of cuts back to Voyager and Janeway comes back um, and then later on in the episode we find uh, basically the crew's um, Janeway ends up um, using a hyper spray on Chakotay and she um, you basically find out it's the doctor he's taking on other crew members forms um that doctor and you yeah you you, you wonder at the time you don't know why you want like like with data you're wondering why is he lying and in this episode you're wondering why is the doctor taking on other crew members forms and you know when the crew are getting close to discovering that he's in disguise as other crew members he knocks them unconscious or you know uses a hyper spray 
I mean, that episode is called um, Renaissance Man. It's quite late. Oh, okay. it's the, I think it's the, one of the like, last couple of episodes of the last season. I might have to kind of. I might have to watch those. I kind of like in um, After Trek. Uh, you watch Star Trek Discovery, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. In After Trek, how they give you the homework assignments, like of episodes they think that like are relevant somehow. So, yeah, so that's my homework assignment is to watch those two episodes of Voyager. Like <laughs> it's totally yeah, cadets training. Um, yeah. I wonder what would you, how would if you were captain of the Enterprise and Data was acting suspicious, do you think it was believable how everyone on the crew kind of treated the whole situation, or is there something you might have done differently uh, in in that situation? Answer. Hmm. Um, that's tough, actually. Yeah, that is tough. Because um, we're not captains, but to be honest, I don't, I don't, li- I don't like Data as a crew member. Like, if I, if I were captain, <laughs> if I were captain, I wouldn't like having Data on board. Um, I, I know there's plenty of advantages really? to having uh, an android with his, you know, capacities, but I think he's very dangerous. Um, he does things sometimes just automatically because he thinks he can do it faster. He can, he can do this and he can save the ship. But then he doesn't talk to anyone about it; just executes it. Um, I don't know. He, he's pretty dangerous. Well, so Data's like a nuisance to you. Are you familiar with the three laws of robotics? Yes, but uh, them to a T. I don't think he would hurt like a human. Uh, you know, like I don't think he would actually put. But then that's wrong there. because he would put uh, Deanna Troy. Well, fine, she's Betazoid, but she would. He would put her in danger. Just to save the crew and the ship. But, so the needs of, but that the needs fits of the... in. But that fits in with it's, the law of robotics because it's only logical, to save another. Yeah, yeah, yeah the logical know. choice would be to save more humans than one human. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, so if, it's like if, okay. if he's forced to, he has to save this group because there's more in that group. And, yeah, it, it's yeah. I think like and and actually like as a human, there, there was a really cool. Uh, <laughs> experiment that someone on youtube did which i objected to actually because (laughs) like had i been uh one of the people in this experiment i would have been so traumatized by it but they wanted to know if you ask someone like you know if you have you have a train track right and it splits in two and on one side of the train and you you control the lever of which way the train goes right and once and track there's only one worker and on the other train track there's like 20 workers right so you know most people will say yeah of course i'm going to switch when you ask them hypothetically they'll say i'm going to switch the track so that it it likely hits the one person not the not the 20 people right Mm. and then uh you know so that's like the most common answer like pretty much like 100 percent of people will say that but then when you there's no way to test this hypothesis or this theory because you by putting someone in that situation even in a testing environment it can cause severe psychological person to have to make that decision you know what i mean so they so <laughs> the guy who the, the guy who did the the, the experiment went to an ethics board got permission to do it and they because they needed to like make sure they had like counselors on site and there was a deanna troy and everything like that and i was watching i couldn't watch the rest of the video because watching the people who were going through the experiment having to like make this decision and many of them just froze like they didn't know what to do so they just let the train 
keep going on its course like whatever it was going to be and they didn't switch it to the one person so i i just got traumatized watching it so i can just imagine Mm. being in data's position like and he at least he doesn't have the benefit of emotions you know what i mean because i think our emotions are what get us to freeze and be paralyzed and all that stuff as we talked Mm. about how when he turns his emotion chip that's essentially what happens to him in in um generations but but for data i think it's like you know he's making the logical choice in that situation i was waiting oh go ahead oh i was gonna say i was waiting in that that moment where picard asked him um about you know would you put would you put um your friend and colleague in in harm's way and he says if it means this you know the safety of the whole crew I was waiting right. for someone to say, make that, say that, you know, the needs of the many. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it didn't come. It's the closest we got to it. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was just going to build off what you were talking about that was, I mean, going on a tangent here, but there's a, a manga called uh, Monster, where essentially this, this doctor uh, working in a hospital. Uh, finds himself in a situation where two patients come in. So one is the mayor of the city. And if he saves the mayor's life, then the mayor will give a big grant to the hospital and everyone will get, you know, a raise and everything will be perfect. But there's also a child that comes in at that point. And so his boss tells him, like, the the, the director of the hospital says, save the mayor. Kid that, like, so the kid essentially uh, just lost, both his parents died and his sister as well, and he's the lone survivor. And he says that kid's broken anyway, so just oh wow, just let him go and, and save the mayor. And so the doctor doesn't. He says screw the mayor, and he saves the kid. And then he has to quit his job, and what have you. And the story is essentially that's the prologue, and the story picks up what is it twenty years later or something. That kid has become like a psychopath serial killer. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and it, the whole story is about how he has to deal with that and how he somehow feels obligated to go and stop that kid because he's responsible. That's a compelling story. That's very anyway, cool. That, that's, anyway, it made me think of that, the whole that train example. <laughs> I like that the Enterprise. I like that throughout the 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 seasons, and it feels especially more somehow more of an emphasis this season, where we get to things. So what happens when the exciting stuff isn't happening? You know what I mean? And so, like when the episode begins, here we get to see like kind of glimpses of of what people do in in downtime, and uh, you know we've also even seen like little other tidbits, like for example there's a night shift and a day shift and you know all the lighting gets dimmer and so now we can tell like if we're watching uh an episode and the lights are dimmer it's probably the night shift uh you know it's something obvious but it's like nice to have these kind of reveals on on screen what were some reveals on screen about like this kind of behind the scenes on the enterprise type stuff that you really liked if you if there was anything at all that you liked uh from that aspect of it um <laughs> I'll t- I'll tell you mine. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> I liked uh, I liked the um, the doctor running experiments <laughs> with their little hobby. What was it? Uh, oh, ethnobiology. Uh, was it ethnobotany? That's ethnobiology. 
ethnobotanist, which I didn't bother yeah, to look up, so I have no idea what an ethnobotanist is. I did. Diomedian scarlet moss is what she's trying to grow. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's, that's right. It's the study of plants and, and humans and how they interact or some, something along those lines. Oh, some, wow. That's like, no, that's not it. <laughs> but I <it's> along <laughs> those lines. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, we never find out what whatever I don't think because I did look that up on Memory Alpha. There's only this reference to it is the uh, Domitian Scarlet Moss. So I was like hoping that like so, I wasn't hoping this ever before. I just started hoping this now when I saw this episode this time. But I was like, oh, it would have been cool if they had like a future episode where we went to Domitia and saw the Scarlet Moss and like yeah. you know something like that. But mm. Alas, it did not happen. Did it happen in Voyager? <laughs> the, the universe is a big place. So. <laughs> Why is there Timidian Moss in the Delta Quadrant? <laughs> is it the Delta Quadrant there? Yeah, there's the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> I um, I, 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 I mean, yeah, it, it's fun to see what they're doing in their downtime. But once the investigation starts, um, I like seeing interact like characters interact that we never really seen before. Beverly goes to see um, O'Brien in the transporter room, and those aren't really characters that you see interact. And um, I mean, yeah, sure, it lasts twenty seconds. She says, you know, you need to give me data on whoever transported last, and he says, okay, and that's it. But I don't know. It's just it's fun to see all of these people like the hustle and bustle of everyone trying to yeah. do their own part of the investigation. It's not just uh, the bridge crew with Picard sitting down saying, I need this information or that information. It's just you see everyone doing their thing. I like that. Mm. I also found that they, they push data around a bit. Um, they, so once they start suspecting him, they tell him to get out of the room and send him to engineering. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's fine, I <laughs> guess. But then Jordy gets back to engineering and he says, now you go to the bridge. <laughs> like, okay. But would data be a bit suspicious at that? Uh, you know, I think you can leave the room think, now. We're all going to stay here. <laughs> yeah, I think data is suspicious because the way he says, like, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but he's like, "As you wish, Captain." Like, it's kind of like different than like his normal, like, "Yes, sir," or whatever, you know. And um, I mean, this episode is. I noticed how much Picard says "make it so." He said it like five times in this episode. Like pretty much any decision now, it's like "make it so." <laughs> you know, it's like an interesting development here in the Picard character. And I, you know, I don't know if it's like every episode, but I'm now going to be paying attention to how many "make it so"s are. I bet <laughs> there is. There's got to be an, a person out there who counted all the make it so's in or, every episode there's got to be I'm sure there's got to be a Star Trek <laughs> drinking game where that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the, the rules I'm fairly get you quite drunk quite quickly <laughs> um the the thing that Picard is doing in his downtime is of course he's uh engaged in a Dixon Hill mystery and and those are always fun and I was compelled to look up one of the character you know the character that gets shot in the Lord. holodeck Oh no! Okay. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's was, the Gloria. Well, <laughs> Gloria. Gloria. First of all, it's kind of. I do have to say, as an aside, I have to say that it seems. I know this is like you know. Like, what is it like the 1920s and 1930s? Right. It just seems so odd to me that people ever spoke that way. You know what I mean? Like I realize that like. You, like I realize that it's of course you know 
a, a fetishized version of the slang of the time because like these noir films and noir books are are obviously not you know taking into account like what everyone kind of spoke with but there was definitely a good segment of society that like spoke with that accent and that slang and it's like you think of chicago and new york of that you know of that era but the guy says um what do i look like a jamoke and i was like what the heck's a jamoke yeah, so, I I, that. <laughs> so i looked it up and it goes appearing at the end of the 19th century as a blend of java plus mocha by the 1920s it became slang for someone who lacked mental abilities beyond that of a cup of coffee <laughs> Uh, okay. Probably, in, <laughs> it's probably influenced by by Moke, uh, and then in the 1960s, it became, which is later, it began to be used as slang for male genitalia. Why not? I mean, so, yeah, <laughs> a jamoke. So now I have a new word in my in my vocabulary. And so from now, anytime someone someone uh, is condescending, I'm going to say, "What do I look like? A jamoke?" <laughs> this I love in, I that, in, that, um, in that holodeck scene. I love the interaction between Guinan and uh, Dixon Hill's secretary. It's so funny. <laughs> totally. Whoopi Goldberg get, gets to for once play up her com- comedic side here and you know of course she's a genius when it comes to timing and everything and i think she like really did a good job of pulling off this like confused but did uh holodeck (laughs) participant (laughs) and i like how when captain picard's called away he's like well guinan you can continue if you like and she's like nah that's okay (laughs) this is already a little too much for me yeah she, she she did go to the holodeck to be polite uh, you can sense that because she, she she gets out of there really quick. I mean, she she doesn't stay. I, mean, I think I might be done with it too. I mean, like someone gets killed like within like the first few you know minutes of me arriving in the holodeck, and it's yeah. I mean, my my ideal holodeck program would probably just be like a beach, and I'd just go and lie down. Um, I mean, that's probably what I what I'll do, especially if this is your only downtime in a long time. <laughs> Oh, no, see, I think I'd, I'd do something much more um, out there. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. You'd, if you're, you'd, you'd, go, you'd go skydiving and, and turn off the safety protocols or something, but... Yeah, maybe <laughs> not that far. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> we all know, like, Jordy. I'd, I'd, like, yeah, I was going back to the like, who would you take on the holiday? <laughs> Is he taking Skynin? Um, that would be my first choice. Um, yeah. What was uh, what? What was? Uh, I think the holodeck's an interesting thing, and we're kind of heading into that. Uh, you know, we're more we're headed more towards the Ready Player One. Uh, it's an interesting movie coming coming soon. Kind of direction, I think, where it's going to be more video gameized or whatever, and more of like we'll definitely get this virtual reality stuff with goggles and stuff way before we get a holodeck. But I think when we do get a holodeck, it's going to be really weird and interesting for humanity when that point. I don't think it's going to be very soon because, like, holographic technology today is just like so rudimentary uh, when you compare it to what we've imagined it could be like in our science fiction. Um, where do you stand, Rob, on this kind of like idea of how Discovery seems to be using a lot more holograms than what we are used to seeing in that era of Star Trek from a from an in-universe standpoint? Um. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's an interesting 
it's, it's interesting to see that a different style of communication. I mean, I, I can see how some people might have issues with it because I guess we don't really see that until a lot later, you know, in terms of canon. But I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's kind of cool. It's interesting. I think it doesn't make um, sense. Yeah, I can see why some people would think that. But you see, okay, it doesn't make sense. Canon-wise, yes, because we don't see that until, I mean, DS9, and they say it's new. Fair enough. But I think it doesn't make sense in the way that... Um, okay, so a holographic, holographic representation of um, Captain X appears on your bridge. What are they seeing on their bridge? Are they seeing you? Are they seeing Burnham in her chair? just sitting there or are they seeing a representation of the it doesn't yeah. make sense both ways I know I mean, it, they, they always, they always I know, like, I think the DS9 episodes where you I think in some of those holographic communications you see one of the captains that Cisco's talking to actually pushing buttons but you can't see what he's pressing so I, I yeah I get what you mean it is a bit weird and then I mean in that sarcophagus ship um, uh, Giorgio just appears in the middle of the ship um but so we see it only from one side but then we don't see it from the other side i think it doesn't work i think it. i I can't wrap my head around how the technology would work i agree that having view screens uh sometimes was really bad because they wouldn't show the bridge of the other ship they would have these awkward close-ups of the aliens um just because they didn't have a sit so they put the actor in front of a blue screen or in front of a just a a carpet and (laughs) then filmed them but it makes more sense to me i think um i think as far as the you know explanation behind how the technology works like since there hasn't been anything like as far as i'm aware nothing official has come out of you know the licensors like cbs or whatnot so like we all have to kind of speculate um i i was talking to a friend who's a um a, a physicist and what what do you call people that build robots Robotics um, expert, maybe I don't know. <laughs> an, an engineer, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, an engineer. Thank you. He's an engineer, and I, I actually asked him. I was like, you know, because we, we were kind of debating about this, and he mentioned that, like, you know, a computer as advanced, even as advanced as the ones that you see in TOS era, um, you have to kind of imagine that there's like a a virtual a subroutine or a program. Uh, that handles just audiovisual functions on the ship. So, like for example, um, in you know the the scenes where the admiral is you know aboard, and he actually turns around and talks to Burnham in that scene. You know what is he seeing on his end? Well, on his end, he's probably seeing two holograms: one of Captain Giorgio and one of of Burnham. So they're physically within a proximity around him anyone that steps within that proximity will appear as a hologram to him as well so burnham like when she enters the room she also enters his holographic field so that's the way that he kind of explained it and i kind of like you know but that makes sense for that scene specifically and that's that kind of, a huge problem that discovery right. has the only that they have explained yeah that's the only thing that we talked about for one <laughs> um yeah but like later on like for example uh one thing that's baffling to me i, I haven't asked my friend about this but you know, I can't think of a reason why, but Sarek is somehow able to sit on Burnham's furniture. So 
it, you know, like the Sarah hologram in that in that later in that scene, he just sits down on her it furniture look, and something looks cool. It. <laughs> yeah, it just looks cool. So it just looks there's cool. a little <laughs> there's a little bit of that. But going back to Star Trek. In there, <laughs> I don't. Think, I know this is a silly thing to say because, you know, we're all a bit nerdy yeah, and we, we get caught up on nerdy little things like that. <laughs> but I don't think we're meant to think that hard about it. But um, yeah, we do. We can't help it. I think. I think the problem is that, like before, it seems that Star Trek did make you think hard about those things, and I think if you're conditioned to do that, because, you know, like for example, and you get a lot of answers in the previous Star Trek series, like you get like the technological, what is going on there, and then later on, someone usually delivers like some kind of like explanation within the, the show for you. So there aren't a lot of mysteries. So I think that that's the one thing that I that I think about discovery is that you're right they are saying like we're shifting the focus away from these kind of like things that you're used to seeing on star trek because like we don't see really a lot of great shots of ships either you know like we don't really know a lot about you know a lot of details about like the ships that we see and things like that so the focus here is a lot on just the character the character development and then the overarching story so i do agree with you that like discovery's saying basically we don't care what you think about that <laughs> focus on the story guys <laughs> make it look cool <laughs> make it so going back to the episode did you um did you spot um when when data calls um picard in the holodeck did you notice that data was perching with one leg like Riker does <laughs> I just thought that was oh, right. I did. Oh no! Oh, okay. <laughs> that was kind of strange. It's true. He was a little data homage to the <laughs> He is trying to emulate like what he admires about all the crew members. Yeah. So I imagine that, like, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. And that, and that's a that's a Jonathan Frakes kind of stamp on the show is interesting. Like one thing that I always noticed when I was a kid when I was first watching it is that a lot of times uh, Riker's just behind Picard and he's staring right at some point on the back of his head like all the time he's just always like staring next time you watch kind of notice where Riker stares <laughs> at Picard when it when they're when he's you know giving a monologue or something like that um what was he gonna say the the second time around when they uh they you know kind of fix everything and and go about their way and like they leave the emergency beacon and and things like that i wonder like if there were any follow-ups to the paxons like as you said sean that you wanted to see more of them but it'd be curious if like they were so intrigued by the humans that they actually kind of maybe it would have been neat if like a future story showed that the paxons actually were inspired by like the not just the ingenuity of the humans like in you know not the humans just humans but just the federation i should say i'm being very human centric here but not just the ingenuity that they showed but the willingness to respect their i know <laughs> the willingness to respect uh their desire to be xenophobes like you know like mm-hmm. i think if they'd encountered the klingons or perhaps the Romulans, the whole thing might have gone completely differently. It would have probably played out just as Picard suggested. Like the, I feel like the Paxons would have been forced to destroy the 
other vessel and then more would have come to to mm. see what's going on and then that's it it's over like how many you know how many other ships could the paxton's like trick that way or or fend off and so on and so forth so it, it'd be neat if there was like a follow-up story or something like that where the paxton's actually like realize hey you know maybe we don't need to be xenophobic there's good people out there mm. and that's kind of like one thing that i liked that i don't know that ever comes to pass um I guess we could look it up, you know, later on on Memory Beta or something like that. They usually do the books, but way into books. <laughs> so we didn't really talk about we didn't really talk about your book club. Can you tell us more about the Trek Book Club and like, you know, in your encounter so far, have you been reading any TNG novels or what? Is, tell us some more about it. Um, so yeah, it was a seamless link, by the way. Seamless. <laughs> <laughs> no one noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah, basically, I I um, I was kind of inspired because um, I, I won a competition on Trek FM and was went on one of their roundtable discussions, and it was all about Star Trek books and literature. And um, I'd only read one well i say read it was an audiobook so heard one one audiobook at that point and it was a voyager um novel um so i thought you know what i've 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 watched most of the series i've watched all the films kind of exhausted almost my you know what what there is of star trek so i'll try the try the novels um so i've only read what six or seven um so far so i'm a relative um just world of star trek books but yeah so i started uh the trek book club to try and get people involved whether they're newcomers to star trek literature or they've read loads and loads of novels to get get us together and uh basically so what we do is read uh, every month we read a book a star trek book and then we come together on twitter and discuss it what we liked about it what we didn't like you know um what happened analyze it um kind of like what we're doing with this episode um do you guys have a do you guys have a youtube yeah. channel Not, or any interest in doing one uh yeah, i i am <laughs> my knowledge of setting up you know like youtube channels is pretty basic <laughs> um uh, especially we'll, we'll have your, an, well it's really very simple but we'll have an offline conversation where i'll kind of like show you what i do <laughs> but i yeah, think that'd be, be cool, a neat yeah. format I would definitely tune yeah. in. I would love to read a, a Trek book and then tune in and listen to a discussion between a group of people who read it. That'd be a neat Yeah. Because I guess Twitter, following a discussion on Twitter perhaps isn't always the easiest. Um, no, Twitter I find confusing in many ways, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> we did have, um, so me and my friend Rick, who has his own podcast called 10 Backward, um, we do kind of like a podcast version of the twitter discussion about the book so me and him discuss the book and just you know follow on some of the discussions we had on twitter with people um and that's on his website which i believe is um loweredecksradio.co.uk we've done um two podcasts for two of the books that we've read um so far yeah oh very cool uh, but we haven't mg books yet we've done ds9 um discovery tos and voyager at the moment i recommend your first uh your first tng book be vendetta oh okay yeah that's the one i recommend (laughs) i don't know a huge amount but there's one um 
called I think is it Q squared? That seems to be a oh, popular. Q squared. Yeah, I haven't I haven't actually read that one, but the doctor Humbert, my friend who comes on here, also sometimes has read that one too. So uh, very okay. cool. All right, so the Trek, <laughs> <note> that down. <laughs> the Trek book club, and you heard it here first. There might be a YouTube or another podcast coming out soon with more discussion. <laughs> it's very cool. It's a great idea. I'm going to check it out even more, and um, I unfortunately um, have a mountain of books on the backlog lately. I haven't uh, been reading, and I, I I find that horrific because I love to read. But um, I will definitely uh, see what your next book is and try to hop on onto onto that that one there. So at the moment we're reading. Um, it was a two-parter, a Voyager two-parter. It was the relaunch series, so it takes place immediately after the TV series. So when Voyager gets home, um, and it's it's really good. So we've we've read the first one, which was Homecoming, and now we're reading the follow-up to that, which is called The Father Shore. It's and if you if you didn't. Uh, love the ending to Voyager. <laughs> um, you might appreciate these books. Oh, okay. It's, um, it's kind of like the ending that we didn't see. Yeah. yeah very, very cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely will. Um, <clears throat> let's see what any what any other notes, gentlemen, for this episode. Um, I have a few. Yeah, I have a, a few. Let's go. Let's hear them. Well, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I was gonna, well, it's kind of to what you, I think um, you were saying before about um, if other species that had encountered the Paxons. Uh, I was thinking about other captains. Would other captains have had the same? Because Picard's very diplomatic and he negotiates yeah. with them. Would Cisco have reacted the same way if his ship was threatened? Would Janeway? Would Archer? Would Georgiou? Or, I think... Or, or Lorca. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lorca think, wouldn't react the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's safe to say that if you have a good crew that like a more or less the same uh same outcome would have occurred. However, what makes it special for this particular instance is that data is present. I think data is that factor because the Paxons couldn't understand his technology and they couldn't, you know, wipe his memory and all that stuff. I think with everyone else i think the paxons they've been successful so far because they've remained xenophobic so like let's say cisco and company would have come into this scenario i think odo would have been the character that like they didn't understand his physiology and then odo would have had to have like somehow assist the crew in in coming about the solution on voyager i think dr zimmerman could have been that character as well so i do think that like shows the scenario would have been the same now when we get to captain kirk <laughs> i don't know so much because like captain kirk would would not have investigated he would have just moved on you know just he would have moved on yeah, I, think I mean I, there's an episode where they literally <laughs> go back in time and then all he does is he hits reverse and then they get back to their, their <laughs> correct timeline and boom it's fine you know whatever I mean, they don't care about any of that. It's like, oh, just move on, you know. And then a mission. And then, as far as Lorca goes, I think he again because he has like Stamets and Burnham, and Burnham's very by the book. It seems, you know. I think that she would have compelled him to, and Stamets would have definitely been the character because of the mycelial network that somehow wasn't affected by the uh, the the Paxson's technology. 
That's my mm. guess. <laughs> That's my my best guess. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, anything else you got there? You got in your notes, Sean? Anything else? Um. The, okay, so the episode kind of revolves around how it's data that messes the whole thing up, but I kind of feel like it's just going to happen again because Deanna is going to see herself in the mirror again and see that she's not her. Well, well, presumably they would have given that account this time. Like, so, so he, you know, Picard's like, think of the first time as like a, a, a run through or, or a rehearsal. Right. So like they collected all this data of, of what went wrong. So I imagine that they would say, Oh, and by the way, counselor Troy freaked out. Cause when she looked in the mirror, she didn't see herself. Right. And the Paxton was probably like, fix that? like, Oh, we understand. We will erase the engrammatic uh, residue of all being and possession from her as well and then you know something like that yeah <laughs> like those engrammatic Maybe. impressions right you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta get rid of those engrammatic uh, <laughs> impressions and then and then the next time around when she looks in the mirror she just sees her pretty self so i think that like hmm. as far as that's concerned like round two although a probe is launched so, but, if anywhere but down the line, in, 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 so if anywhere down the line, like someone has to look at those probe logs, they're going to see that it was like for you know. some reason in the second loop, um, Picard dismisses the probe and doesn't care about it. Yeah. I think the first I time, the first he, time he's like, oh, why is it different? The second time he's like, oh, just launch a probe. Come on, let's get out of here. Um, to be to be fair and to like you know, I gave you that tra- that Trek explanation about what could happen with Troy, but also to be fair, like the human mind is a mystery and I can't imagine that the Paxons like have conquered its total workings or whatever. And I wonder if Mm. like the effect didn't have a residual feeling left behind in Picard. Like maybe something told him like, you know, something just like, because very similar to the first time it happened. So like a deja vu might've occurred or something that like, cause he just kind of hesitates for a second. And and so I wonder if it wasn't like, you know that him going mm, better think twice. You know, <laughs> like that's that's my. my yeah, he does he that. does think about it. He does have that moment of hesitation or that moment yeah. where he's kind of thinking about the situation, <laughs> and then comes to the conclusion that he doesn't care. Right. <laughs> he comes to the Kirk conclusion. <laughs> Let's um, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep going. <laughs> Make it so. Number one. <laughs> yeah, there, there is one thing that um, th- this is a, a, just like a general TNG kind of corny problem. It's that Wolf never wins any fights. Um, and I mean, okay, when I started watching Discovery and, and the Calvin timeline, I thought there's, there's too much action and fighting and, 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 and violence, but uh, I think there is a balance that can be achieved. And I mean, building off that, I would have maybe liked a small, at least a scuffle <laughs> to go on between Deanna De- possessed and Worf. Because it's, I understand what they're trying to show. They're trying to show that he, you know, she just brushes him off as if he were nothing. But it would, it would have been interesting and a little more maybe um, dynamic to have a bit of a fight. Um, that's 
Uh, I'm not saying like really... a... Yeah, the, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, but like that scene was really weird too because there was like no audio except for like, I don't know, it just seemed like the way she grabbed, the angle with which at which she grabbed him was that and then she just kind of throws him. It's like, kind of like, oh yeah, we have to do the wrist thing. So just grab his wrist right, and throw yeah. him away. Like, let's just grab <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> let's, so let's do that. <laughs> but it would have been, been interesting to have more like a, a fight where he actually, so he jumps over because he always jumps over. But then this time, like he jumps over and he tackles her or something, and um, and then they try to get into this fight. But it turns out like she pushes him away because she's stronger. She's like, right. impudent creature, and then throws like, his wrist away or something. Maybe he tries. I to mean, gra- maybe he tries to grab her. She, you're right. It could have been a little bit more, you know, intense. Like she, she maybe like grabs him and then he uses his other hand to like backhand slap her but it aff- it doesn't even affect her and then he's like what are you and then he mm. then she throws him she like you know that <laughs> pushes him to the ground or something i don't know <laughs> i'm not i'm not all for violence and i like i appreciate the way that star trek in general deals with situations you know with diplomacy but i think that it is it does add um drama a certain yeah uh, i mean it adds a certain movement to an yeah. episode um, to have you know these little fight scenes rather than just go away. In the earlier <laughs> scene, in the earlier scene when Counselor Troy is feeling dizzy and Worf escorts her back to her quarters before she looks in the mirror and all that stuff, I did like that the way they were walking arm in arm because it kind of foreshadows unintentionally, I'm sure, because I don't know if they had figured this out at this point. How like later on, uh, Troy and and Worf get into a relationship. Hmm. Mm. Which I I don't know I kind of like that. What did you guys think? Uh, since since we're not bound to just this episode with our discussion, what did you guys think of that when when Star Trek Next Generation kind of threw that in our faces? They were like Worf and uh, sorry Troy and Riker, Troy and Riker like all along, and they have this background and the Imzadi thing and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden she's dating Worf, and you know they're having a romantic relationship. Like how did that make you feel? I'm curious. Mm. <laughs> can't tell I'm overly fond of it <laughs> it's not it's not the worst yeah. relationship in Star Trek <laughs> that one would go to go to in seven. <laughs> oh well I have so I've got to see that but I yeah I was really deeply like even though I like Worf as a character I was just like I thought that like Counselor Troy had somehow given up on on her love of Riker you know and like it was just kind of like really sad so yeah I didn't like it either but I thought it was I did think it was weird how they just kind of like I don't remember like the specifics, but I just remember it being really weird how like then all of a sudden, you know, we go from that to the movies where they don't explain. I don't think they ever explained that Worf and Troy broke up or anything like that. Like it's just now she's back with Riker, so it was kind of like a. From what I, I mean, someone once there. explained to me that uh, what Gene Roddenberry and the production team were trying to do is show a more um, modern uh, type of relationship. Um, which right. I mean, to to each their own. But I mean, I'm kind of in a situation where the way my mind works is you're in a relationship, or you're not. Um, and then, I mean, I suppose you can define the parameters of that relationship with the person that you're with. But there doesn't seem to be much parameters defined when it comes to Riker. That just cooks every every chick he sees. And um, and then so yeah, De- Deanna gets together with um, with Wolf, and then it just moves on. And then we well, get, and she certainly has wedding. her 
Yeah, and, and they're certainly, Riker and Troy are not even oh. technically dating or together at this point or even before this. So, like, it but certainly they, they makes sense that they've seen close. people. At all times, because there are episodes where they're not technically together, but every time that she feels very bad or something's going on with her, uh, he's very close and very tactile, and they have they have really a, a very close relationship throughout the entire series. Um, it's very soap opera. It's very soap operatic in that way, um, because you see a lot of this kind of thing on soap operas, where you know that there's like these two characters that are perfect for each other, but it takes them like a long time to kind of get together, and they have to go it's on their like their own friends. journeys and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, well, I don't know if I have any. Let me check my notes, um, see if there's anything that I uh, wrote down that we didn't actually talk about already. Um, <laughs> no, that's it. I think, yeah, I think we covered all the same things. So were there any Easter eggs or anything like that worth note in this episode that you noticed? Oh, you're saying this because I I, I talked about the Z particles <laughs> in, in our previous. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> no, this, I, I, I looked is... up all the planet names and what have you, and I think everything was kind of just like a, a one-off. A one-off thing. We don't have any deep cuts. The deepest cut would be the uh, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right. Uh, kind of uh, paraphrasing there because it's it's not exactly that, is it? But um... the T Tori systems are actually real star systems. Like, so that was kind of a okay. thing. That's well, there's cool. all a lot of real science in Star Trek. But yeah, right? they do that. They do that a lot, don't they? <laughs> But I even thought maybe the planet so that you, they, because Jordy says this planet was a planet that we've already seen, and I thought, oh, maybe this is a planet that we've actually seen in TNG. Um, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. It was just that would have been too meaning like they, they've known about it. Yeah. It is kind of neat now that we're like mapping all these exoplanets. Star Trek Discovery has the opportunity to actually depict our planets that they visit more accurately than TNG or any other series could have done because when you know when like at least when Next Generation was on I think like learning about other planets like it was just at that time if I remember correctly like it was still assume, you know we assumed that there were other planets out there but we had no way of like seeing them or measuring their you know composition or like what kind of atmospheres they had or, or whatnot but now in our current time which is actually pretty extraordinary it's like what only like uh, 30 years since TNG aired right so 30 years later we know like really exquisite kind of like details about exoplanets in other star systems and some of those things are things like they know that there are like other planets that have similar compositions to like what Earth does and this and that. So like I like that and I hope Star Trek Discovery kind of like is doing this as we as we explore more more planets in Star Trek Discovery, like that we actually visit an exoplanet that NASA has mapped and discovered and things like that. So I think that that's pretty cool. And then one day humans will actually go to that planet, and it'll be nothing like what we imagined whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I guess this is uh, the point in the show where we give it the episode rating. So on a scale from one to ten, uh, do we make Rob go first, Sean? Uh, I think we do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Rob, you get to go first. <laughs> um, I gave it uh, six. Nice. So it's pretty solid. Yeah, solid, but not you know 
not the best, not the worst. It's okay. <laughs> All right, Sean, you go next. I'll I'll do the Gary thing and go last this time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I was actually going to give it a five point five. What do you what do you like what, what why? <laughs> Okay, sorry. You don't have to. It's it's not so much a bland episode or an uninteresting episode because there is there is intrigue and I mean you are interested in it. It's just ultimately, um, it doesn't deliver everything that I want it to deliver in in the best way possible. I think it's 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 kind of a yeah. That's how I would summarize it. Yeah. So five point five is is higher than just a, a an average five, yeah. Um, but but it, it's not. I mean, it's not it's not a great episode, isn't it? Right. Um, this is this is definitely not one of those episodes that like I could name off the top of my head as like, like one of my favorite episodes. So I agree with you. I'm gonna give this episode a six, uh, just because what I did like about what what took it that much over the threshold of just in the middle for me was um, just all the character interactions, the character development, like the caper, the mystery. I did like that there was like this kind of like, um, you know, theme throughout the whole episode and they kind of stuck through it where they introduced us in the teaser, in the teaser where Picard's like humans just can't resist a mystery. And that's a very true statement. And it's, so it got me thinking about that and, you know, human nature and things like that. But at the, at the end of the day, it's not an episode that I would like just think of off the top of my head. It, it's like a, an interesting curiosity along the journey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's the thing. There are episodes that you would go back and watch alone because they stand out to you. There are episodes that you don't want to see ever again, like the Royale. And there are episodes that like this one, you would rewatch just if, if you're kind of going through the whole series once again. Totally agree. And yeah, that, that's where it stands. Yeah, where if it's on, t- if it's on TV, I'll leave it on. Like I'll watch it. You know, yeah. like exactly. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, I'm, uh, for our discussion for uh, for this episode of Starfleet Boy, I think. Uh, I think because you were so close to a six, Sean, the overall rating is going to be a f- a five point nine on this one. <laughs> Two, two sixes. I do this dodgy math, Rob. So it's like it doesn't really make sense. But. <laughs> it's arbitrary. Arbitrary. Make it so number number six. Um, <laughs> um, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, please, uh, everyone, go uh, follow Rob on Twitter, and we go on again anytime you'd like to come on. And I know you're particularly keen on. Oh. On when we finally get to Voyager on these discussions in like three years, yeah, <laughs> it's taken like two years to get this far. So I think it'll, it'll be an, at least another oh, wow. two years. Yeah, it'll be a while before I get to Voyager. Um, oh, there's lots, there's lots of TNG episodes coming out that I really like. So yeah, and I like that. I like that you didn't remember this one. So I'm hoping I get you with a few more of those where you're just like, whoa, I didn't really remember this one. I think that's oh, a yeah. delightful. I'm, delightful I'm saying thing. this. I'm gonna say this on air, which is insane, but. Um, <laughs> chances are, by the time we get to Voyager and we're still having these discussions, I might have a kid. <laughs> yes. I, I might have like a, a a baby like sitting on my lap as we usually talk about this. That would be insane. It, yeah, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting chronicle of all our lives. Like, and 
long after many of us are dead because youtube's gonna live forever some your kids your great grandchildren <laughs> sean will be able to go online and watch trek on the tube and then they'll hear you mention starfleet boy and they'll be like what's that and then they'll go over and be like great grandpa was on this other show holy crap <laughs> all, all of them will be like oh my god the cringe the cringe don't don't show me this. <laughs> look at this nerdy talking about star trek come on <laughs> You never know. Your child may take up the mantle, and then you'll have Trek on the tube the next generation. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the animated tube. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, gentlemen, for, for joining me. It was a real pleasure. And live long and prosper, and I'll see you next time. Oh.